Want to talk? Want to do a podcast? Hey, everybody. It's just me today. Um, sorry for the disappointment. And this, this lighting is probably going to drive you all crazy looking at my glasses that way. So as life is, things get busy with family, kids, husband, friends, all the things we have to do. And um, Jill wasn't able to make it. So not to leave you guys hanging, I'm going to just do it by myself. I hope you can hang on with me and go along for the ride. We were set to do part three of Bread and Wine by Shauna Nequist. And we're not even sure that that's how you say her name, but we're hopeful that's right. So I'm going to do a quick little podcast today for you guys. And I'm just going to go over that book. There will be some of me looking down and not looking directly at you as I read portions of her book that I am loving. It is just so quenching to my spirit and it just further encourages my desire to really build community around the table. So anyway, come along. Let's get started. So we are in chapter uh, 21 is where we are of part three and it's called Hail Mary and she tells a story about how with her second pregnancy she has to go to the hospital she's scared to death and when friends ask her you know what can I do for you she's like you know she doesn't want the help and really she wants the help it's just hard for her to say that she wants the help and to really accept the help that's offered and finally her dad shows up and he is like I'm just going to stay. Even though he has a meeting, he's a pastor and he cancels his meeting and stays with his daughter. And then she talks to a friend of hers on the phone who really encourages her. She said, you know, my mom tells me when I'm having issues with my kids to just, you know, talk to um, Mary. And so she actually goes to a chapel in the um, hospital and there is a Mary figure and she does just ask um, the Lord through Mary for help with her child and she is able to go home. But what my takeaway was from that chapter was really just um, us learning to accept the help that we need. And sometimes we don't really know the help that we need. You know, we're not able to verbalize what it is we need. So if you are a person who is able to verbalize what you need, then you need your friends to step in. When you say, I need this, you need your friends to step in and and take care of that when possible. But if you're a person that has a hard time uh, with that, then I would just encourage you to accept the, the help that is offered because your friends want to help you. They want to be there for you. It's important to them. It's their honor and privilege to be there for you when you need them. So accept it. It's not a burden to them. It is actually a gift, really, that you're giving them to allow them into your place of vulnerability where you have to actually say, I need help and then receive it. So I just want to encourage you in that. And then let's see what else we got here. Because she says, She said, I could have asked for company, and I know my friends and family would have come, but I was too far removed. I was on autopilot, and I didn't know what I needed, let alone how to say it. Um, And then later, she, she says that her dad says, I think I'll stay. He said calmly, almost in passing. He called his assistant and told her his meetings needed to be rescheduled because I needed him at the hospital. Um... This, and then when she talks about her friend that encourages her, she says, 
I'd sent a text to my friend Emily, and in her reply, she said that when she's scared about her baby, her mom reminds her to pray pray to Mary, the Blessed Mother, the one who understands certainly what it's like to worry about a child. And she said she'd pray the Hail Mary for her and baby Mac. Okay, so 22 is, and we're not going to go over every chapter, everybody, but I'm just pointing out a couple of things that I just really, really liked. Um, Magical White Bean Soup is the name of chapter 22, and it talks about nursery food, and I had never heard this before, so this is like a British um, thing. It says, I love food that connects us to good memories, that tells us we're safe, that brings us back to sweeter times and hard days. The British call this nursery food, and I love that term. Memory and food are inexplicably linked, of course, and that's why when you talk to people about food, there's the food we say we want, fancy, sophisticated, highbrow even, and then there's the food we really want, especially in difficult days. And so she gives a recipe in this chapter for the white bean soup, which does not tempt me at all, to be honest, but I do love a good soup. Um, one thing that I've been eating lately that I love that I consider a comfort food is really baked feta. And it's all vegetables, like it has tomatoes in it, and garlic, and red bell pepper, uh, purple onions, salt and pepper, that might be it. And then the feta with olive oil, and you know, you just dip it with bread, or pita bread, or whatever, and it's so good, it just makes me feel good when I eat it. And it's not super feeling. So that that's probably one of my comfort foods lately was trying to think like what was a comfort food for my of mine from when I was growing up and I really couldn't think of one even though my mom cooked every dinner like literally she cooked every dinner she cooked every breakfast you know my kids find their own breakfast in the morning so um, I'm all about raising self-sufficient kids and I feel like that's my responsibility to ensure that they can live without me as sad as that sounds and so they know how to cook and they know how to do things that some of their peers do not know how to do. Um, but I do like the idea of the, the terminology of nursery food, just those foods that comfort us. And I would be really curious, I was gonna ask Jill, like what is her, what would she consider a comfort food? Um, and so we'll have to ask her that later, but that's what I could think of. Now the next chapter is called Present Over Perfect, it's chapter 23. And she actually does a whole Bible study called Present Over Perfect. So it probably came from this chapter because I think it's newer than this book. Um, but I have not actually officially done that. So I don't know um, about that. But she says um, what I highlighted that I found so neat was she said, I pray that we'll understand the transforming power that lies in saying no because in fact, because it's an act of faith, a tangible. T okay, let's start over everybody. I pray that we'll understand the transforming power that lies in saying no because it's an act of faith, a tangible demonstration of the belief that you are so much more than what you do. And I think that as women, we can get in that trap where our worth is based on what we do. And especially, you know, we talked about the Enneagram. Enneagram 2 struggle with that a lot. It's like they feel like if they're not doing, then they're not contributing, um, or that people only like them really if they're doing, and that is just not true. You know, I'm an eight, and so I will tell you, um, if you are somebody I care about, it's not because of what you're doing for me. It's because I just care about you. And so there's no need to be to be so dewy, 
just be some be be instead of dewy y'all my hair is everywhere when y'all see this video it just look like a a hot a hot stinging mess so she does put in here a bacon wrapped dates recipe and i have not made it but i did have it at jason aldean's restaurant this weekend in nashville called e3 steakhouse and they were delicious my daughter is the only one who didn't like them because she said she doesn't like dates so if you don't like dates i guess that's a no can do but i've never met something paired with bacon i didn't like so chapter 24 the bass player's birthday and this was one of my favorite parts and um this section because she talks about it's one of the one of the people in her husband's band it's his birthday and so they're all gonna have dinner with his favorite things um he basically said he likes raspberries and a couple of things and so she did the whole menu around what he liked but part of everybody's assignment when coming to the dinner was to have something nice to say about him that they really liked about him and because he's somewhat introverted that made him really uncomfortable but he kind of settled into it and um and really appreciated it so let's see what she says okay so she says each person comes ready to say something about about what that person has brought to their life in the last year or a prayer for the next year to come and after dinner we toast with those thoughts later she says it's all too rare that we tell the people we love exactly why we love them what they bring to our lives, why our lives are richer because they're in it. And I think that is a huge point. That would encourage all of us more than anything to really try to let those that we love know that we love them and why we appreciate them because I think we don't know. I mean, sometimes I don't know what people think about me, even those closest to me. And so I think that's partially the reason that I try to like let other people know how much I love them and you know what it is that I love about them and all of those things and because one of my love languages quality time like the person doesn't have to do anything for me they just have to be there with me hanging out with me you know connected uh, during that time so and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more in a minute but I encourage you to do that whether it's through text writing notes um, you know just telling the person I, I just really encourage that okay let's see she said she watched her friend Nathan's face. And as I watched it move, she said, I watched it move from slightly nervous and uncomfortable to overwhelmed in the most or the best possible way. She said the food and the table and the laughter helped to create a sacred space, a place to give someone the gift of words. That's what the night was about, sacred space and words of love. Well, that and the fresh raspberry ice cream, she says. So that was a cool tradition. I'm going to skip over the next chapter. Um, it was good, but, you know, we're just, we're making this a brief podcast today since it's just me. Okay, so, on, on to the next chapter, she talks about, um, actually, I didn't highlight anything there either, so we're going to go on to chapter 27 called Happy New Year. And in this chapter, she talks about having a New Year's party on, like, January 16th, because that's when she could get it together when she wasn't with her family. And everything that went into the actual planning of the menu and then trying to pull the house together and trying to make everything so perfect and then a lot of it flopping. Um, and so she says, entertaining isn't a sport or a competition. It's an act of love if you let it be. You can twist it and turn it into anything you want, a way to show off your house, a way to compete with your friends, a way to earn love and approval, or... 
you can decide that every time you open your door, it's an act of love, not performance or competition or striving. You can decide that every time people gather around your table, your goal is nourishment, not neurotic proving you can decide. And I think like as we've talked about before, it is really hard to open your door to your home because in most people's cases, mine especially, it's not perfect. Uh, we're kind of messy and um, there could be sink, you know, dishes in the sink and all kinds of stuff. And for my friends who are really, really neat, you know, I, I kind of like a heads up before they come over because I want to like tidy up for them, you know, but I need to personally get over that a little bit. Okay. Chapter 28, Swimming in Silence. I love this chapter because she talks about going to Mexico with her friends and their kids and her kids and how the internet really did not work. And so her phone really did not work. And she was able to pay like a lot of money for roaming, but she would only check her email one, one time a day because of that fee. Um, and I was going to ask Jill this, or I'm going to have to ask her, but it, I've not been to Mexico other than like on a cruise ship and it's like in and out you know, and there's no hanging around, but it says that they have cilantro that's the red, white, and green of the Mexican flag. Did y'all know that? I thought cilantro was just green, and it's like my favorite herb, so I needed to know, like, does that, does that really exist? I guess I could go to Google. Okay, she said they had to do things the old-fashioned way. We left each other notes and set meeting places, and I just thought that was so cute. She said, it was hard at first because she wanted to be um, where everybody was and doing what everybody was doing and knowing all that was going on with Facebook and all, but she had to kind of settle into it. She said, I realized that the reality, the, the really major things were happening all around me, so not on Facebook, that just with her people, and that more often than not, I had been missing them because my phone had become an extension of my hand. And what it said to people essentially is that just being with them isn't enough. And I know that I have felt that way when I'm around people that are constantly checking their phone um, or it's constantly ringing. But I also know that I have been guilty of that on the other side where I've been with my kids and the phone rings and it's a friend and I want to answer it. And so I do. And I think that makes them feel a little bit less important. So I'm going to try to do better with that. And like more and more people, I think we don't work in offices or conventional workplaces. Where we have set hours, we're working and hours we're not. There are so many good things that go with that flexibility, freedom, lots of time with our kids. At the same time, though, we've realized it means we're sort of working all the time. And so that's like the downside. Like we have to almost be mature enough to put our phone down <clears throat> to be in the moment with people when we can and that is not always possible with our jobs but sometimes it is and we can work to do better i can work to do better for sure she said what she found in mexico is being everywhere was keeping her from being anywhere from being in any one very particular place so she was missing out trying to juggle all the things of knowing what was going on everywhere and trying to answer everybody's request for her attention she said i and i trust that some of what made that time so magical had nothing to do with the lime and the cilantro and the wells and everything to do with the willingness to be entirely there. I practiced since that trip being entirely where I am, glamorous or not, and what I find is that it's better to be in one place, wholly and full-heartedly, than a thousand splinterly half places, glamorous as they may be. So I'm going to leave you guys with that, 
and um, Jill will be back next episode. Um, There may come a time where she has to do one without me. And so I hope it was manageable, everybody. And this is a short episode, but I would love to hear from you. Please email us at therealdealfriends at gmail.com. All right, everybody. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook at Real Deal Friends and Instagram at The Real Deal Friends. Have questions? Email us at TheRealDealFriends at gmail.com.